0: And so when I'm coaching people and they show up in victim of like being late and they want to blame traffic or they want to blame their phone being dead, or they want to blame the results on their partners or things like that. Well, what level of responsibility are you showing up in right now? Are you in one, two, three, four and ask, okay, well, what's in the gap of you shifting your responsibility. And there's a lot of traumas and there's a lot of Things that we've gone through or where we get to grow into and pass the sea of, you know, the fear of responsibility. What level of responsibility do we need to shift into to source those mega deals and to have those asset, you know, assets that are in our vision.
1: Welcome to the Lion's Den the real estate podcast for perspicacious investors who know they have the strength to succeed in the lucrative commercial multifamily industry. Gain expert advice on your way to becoming a top performer. I'm your host, Adam Parrish. I have my three co-hosts today, Lisa Parrish, Donato Callahan, and Fia Mosley. How are you three doing? Amazing. And we have a special guest today who is a multifamily syndicator, Bunny Wilford.
0: Hi How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm great, thanks.
1: Hey, You want to introduce yourself real quickly?
0: Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm I'm Bunny Wilford. I am a mom, a wife. I'm a Navy veteran. Um, and uh, right before doing multifamily syndication, I was doing uh, mindset and transformative coaching. I'm also a spiritual practitioner healer. So. Um, Actually, while I was coaching one of the clients, I was like, what is so big and what is so outside of yourself that you wanted to do and you haven't done up until now? And that's when I realized that I was playing small and I really wanted to get in multifamily minds, um, multifamily uh, real estate. And um, so now I'm, I'm doing acquisitions and asset management in the multifamily space.
1: Awesome. And the word of the day is brought it's- to you by Bunny Wilford.
0: It is gratitude. I believe gratitude is the beginning of all manifestations. And since we're heading into the spring uh, solstice and Easter for people who practice um, religion, I think it's really important to be in the setting, the intention and being in the energy of of gratitude. And I'm I'm really grateful to get to be a part of this podcast today. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you for coming on. Okay. And the obstacle of today's episode... Do you have the mindset for multifamily real estate? The first question Mm -hmm. I'll ask for today is for Bunny Wilford. How can the be, do, have mindset be applied to multifamily real estate investing?
0: Well, that's a good question. So uh, I think that the be, do, have model uh, mindset from Ram Dass, who is a spiritual practitioner and psychologist, he, he actually created and put it on on paper is the most appropriate mindset to have in any endeavor that you want to create, uh, do. Um, because traditionally we're taught or what's modeled for us is do have be, I, I got to do this so I can have this so I can be happy. Or once I have this, then I'll get to be happy and I can do what I want. Right. So it's a shift in the mindset that typically we're not Modeled, you know, that our parents don't model for us. They think that they have to be this profession and and work really hard so that they can be happy. And it often leads to the opposite effects, right? we We wear ourselves down. we work ourselves to death. we we get sick. And at the end of it, we don't ultimately create the life that we want. So the be do have model, this is something that i I used when I was coaching clients, uh, neuro-linguistic practitioners also use that. I'm also trained in that um, model as well. And so basically it's identifying the ways of being that this role, this person, this profession, the professionals, how they show up, how are they being to create the results that they're creating? Mm -hmm. And shifting into that, some people say fake it till you make it, right? But each individual gets to identify what is lacking in, in their own way of being. Some, for some people, it might be, you know, they're not really committed to getting behind the computer every day to look for deals. They're not really committed to reach out to brokers. Maybe they're not, you know, being extroverted and being out there and really presenting themselves in a certain way that creates that relationships where people get to to see them and want to work with them. So identifying what our gaps are. Are we playing small? Are we hiding? Do we get to be courageous? Because it can be scary, right? Shifting into something new that we don't really know. And that imposter syndrome kicks in Or and, um, you know, courage is acting in spite of fear, acting with fear, using that fear and still proceeding forward towards your vision. So the state of being that we're in and, and noticing, you know, like, I'm being a little lazy today. Is this going to help me get to my vision? Probably not. So I get to be rigorous in my commitment. I get to be in integrity with my word that I'm going to reach out to so many brokers, or I'm going to connect with my investors, or I'm going to go to two or three networking events a week. Your being is how it starts for everything in every profession. And, one of the first obstacles that I often come across when coaching a new client is the disconnection between the doing and the being. Sometimes they'll ask a the client, how are you being? And they won't even really be able to name a way of being. They'll actually like, okay, especially if they're an analyzer personality or an operating style, they'll have to like actually look up ways of being because they don't, you know, you just think about the doing. So that's i think how the be do have will start and then um the doing right so you have to ask yourself how am i being and then shift into you know i get to take action i get to be committed or whatever so that you can do the thing so that you can have what you want to have and and that's how i think that the, the be do have model is efficient in always uh in all professions
1: okay excellent stuff riveting
2: riveting <laughs> That needs to be the word of the day.
0: Yeah.
3: Are we yeah. using other forms of the word gratitude? Can I say grateful and that will that still count or do I have to say gratitude? Yeah. No, you can use other terms.
0: Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
3: Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I want to score
2: points.
0: <laughs> I'm
3: not, I'm not <laughs> done one the last co- couple of weeks.
2: Competition, you know. <laughs> Wait, Bunny, did you say your
0: own word? Grateful? Gratitude? Gratitude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Gratitude. Yeah, I focus on going to graduate. What I noticed where I'm hitting a lot of roadblocks in, you know, in my life or where things seem to be a little bit more challenging than, than I would like, um, as in most recently in, in all authenticity, most recently I've been noticing there's a lot of resistance, there's been a lot of frustration, there's been a lot of like challenges. And what I did is I asked myself, well, how am I being? I haven't been really grateful lately at all. I've been frustrated. I've been like, like, I call it nerdy, but like in my ego, just kind of like, ah, like I could be doing better, you know, or maybe I'm not doing enough and just I'm like self beat up. And one of the most powerful things that I can say of a way of being is shifting into gratitude, noticing, you know, how am I being? And is this serving me? Is this going to get me where I need to be? And typically it's not because it's an ego base, right? So I'll shift into, okay, what am I grateful for? Because energetically, when you're at a frequency of gratitude, I believe or I know to be true that the universe, I think somebody called it Gus, God, universe and source. The other day, one of my coach friends, she called it Gus. And I was like, I like that. It's a combination of concepts, right? So what I have experienced to be true in my life is when I shift into gratitude and I'm grateful for the things that I already have and grateful for the things that I would like to receive more of, it shifts right into my experience. And I magnetically attract that into my life. So gratitude to me is the first foundation of of a way of being. And so that's why I wanted that to be the word for today. I really wanted to shift myself, my energy mainly, and to do so in integrity with my word and holding myself accountable and responsible to share that with you guys today, that I am shifting my way of being to be into gratitude this week. So,
1: yeah, I think it's an important word to have on
0: 100%. Okay.
1: Then I'm going to ask a quick question for Fia. How can positive relationships contribute to the success of a multifamily real estate investment?
4: Yeah, this is a I think mindset like just that that is hard, you know, because there's so many angles you can talk about it. So, you know, like she's saying, when you're getting started in something, are you just doing, you know, going out, doing all this busy work, running yourself into the ground and in because ev- all your external circumstances come from the internal like if if you feel like a victim in some area of your life, how are you gonna go out there and create a company and move forward and be productive and accomplish what you wanna accomplish when you've got stuff in your life that you're blaming other people for? And I think that was a big thing for me. I was a victim as a child. I carried that into my adulthood. And then, you know, at times I'm sure I've carried that out. well, I don't know. I've carried that into my partnership you know because you get defensive about things and in this business a lot of times you're coming together with strangers basically like our team um i mean i had met donato prior a while but you know it wasn't like we hung out all the time i saw him periodically we had great conversations and there was something about his energy he is highly intelligent. I didn't know that at the time. At the time, it was just like, oh, this young guy has got really great energy. And I think that's where even in business, we go wrong. We go telling people all the things we can do. And they don't care about that. They care about who you actually are as a person. And what's really, you know, as Napoleon Hill says, your definite purpose. It's not to a Ferrari is not a definite purpose in life. I mean, wouldn't complain or anything. Actually, I'd probably (laughs) sell it and do something useful with that money personally. But you know, and, and then when you get into a team with strangers, I think the two biggest words are pride and humility. It is, you know, the one thing that will trip you up when you're and you can't do this business without partners. So first, you have your team that you work with regularly, which you are going to disagree with. And That's a pride thing like, oh, my idea is better than yours and or whatever. Maybe you're not saying that. But when you're arguing, it's really you're arguing over preferences, like how people prefer to do things. And then, you know, you may have someone come in, sponsors, people raising money, other partners, whatever it is, and. My big thing, and this also comes from Napoleon Hill, I'm a big fan of his work, is he talks about successful people make fast decisions. Well, I know that I know right away. Like If we were just meeting the five of us on Zoom, the first initial feeling I have about all of you guys is the right one. Not after I talk myself into liking people because it's the right societal thing to do. And it doesn't always mean you like them or you don't like them. It means it's not a good energetic match right now. And every time, you know, as a company, as a team, when we make a decision that is against that initial gut reaction, it goes the way we think it's gonna go because we already knew, because we do have that inside of us in our being to feel people's energy. And um so I think, yeah, it you have to check yourself, you know, pride is not being open to other people's ideas pride is you know wanting to prove your point and be right and we've hit we've hit all of that in the past you know and we've worked through things like that when something came up and it was like I'm right I'm right or whatever you know I'm sure that's not how the conversation went but you know what I mean you get the idea so as a team it's really are you an energetic match do you you know feel Do you can you work through things and humility, I think, is the biggest thing, really, which kind of stems from gratitude. Like one thing I can say after working for it was about a year and a half with Donato Quinn and all the rest of the guys, I found myself more grateful because I had seen all the things that they had done. Than when we started, and I didn't really know him that well, which is probably why, you know, at times, not a lot, but at the beginning, there was a few bumping heads. But then I knew him more. I saw what they had done. I saw the other thing about a team, too, is everything starts from intention. You know, that's what moves energy in a certain direction. And I feel like with a with our team and Lisa and Adam as well, that the intention behind everything was for everyone. It wasn't like, all right. Well, now let me see what I can do to benefit myself using these five people, or seven, or eight, or you know, however many we we ended up with a a, a family of (laughs) people. But yeah, ten all together. But it's it's that intention behind it, and I have always felt the same way from Donato. To be honest, like not going to mention every single person on our team, but like I never thought, oh, this guy has motivations to. Just benefit himself and that's it, basically. And a long story, sorry. <laughs> trying to make it
1: shorter. I like the shout out of Napoleon There's- Hill. If we're looking for another book of the month, since we're into April now, Think and Grow Rich is a good one.
4: Not mm. my favorite of his though. Success habits and own your own mind, I think, are way better, to be honest. But but yeah. think and grow rich kicks a lot of us off on a spiritual journey into the subconscious mind. It really is yeah right,
2: me too that was my first one that I ever read my first business book that opened my eyes to oh I could I don't have to work for a boss
4: or well and it's that it's was- in here you know and imagination and visualization like mm-hmm. Thomas Edison and all these other people it all started with a picture in their head actually now that I've said that I'm curious Donato like with the whole Bright investor thing did you have like a a thing pop up in your head like this idea you know or anything like that
3: like where the idea came from
4: well the bright yeah with bright investor like I think sometimes I've noticed some of the best stuff I'm like at the gym or I'm doing something else and some idea pops in my head and it just happens to be really productive for our team so how did that like kind of come for you
3: yeah bright investor came from uh, senior year when I was in college and I was running the wholesaling company and I knew that I was moving to St. Louis and I everyone had told me, if you're going to start in real estate, start with the house hack. And at the time I was taking my senior GIS class, which is all about taking data and putting it on a map and making it easy to understand. And I was spending so many hours over and over and over again, just looking into real estate, researching and underwriting, looking for properties. And I was also spending all this time learning about maps and how to display information I was like, well, I have this one thing. I have this other thing. What if I just did this (laughs) and put those things together? And so I made my senior project a uh, visualization of real estate data for the city of St. Louis. And I was was playing with those prototypes and building out those things. I ended up meeting my co-founder. And he ended up having the same idea from a completely different source you know, he had met someone really well-known in the real estate world who made a comment that, you know, there's really nothing that serves this demographic for this population for who need these answers. So he started tinkering with the idea. And so even though, you know, this idea sprouted from two different gardens, we ended up growing together and just recognized the potential in each other uh, for the business.
4: Yeah, imagination. You know, there's I, I really feel like there's things that pop into our head when we're not sitting there trying to do like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I personally practice meditation and what I found is a lot of times throughout the day, especially if I went from there to the gym. So your mind is on something else and my body's moving. Like I would just turn on my video camera and make videos. Cause it was like that idea would just pop in my head. So a lot of the times it does have to do with quieting the busyness, which is the doer, like you know, do, 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 you got it. And you know what, we have no problem with that where we promote that in our world. It's all about hustle, grind and run yourself into the ground. So this is like a totally like opposite. I really had to learn a lot about the subconscious mind and shifting into this way of thinking. It's not definitely not something that comes natural, you know, and how we feel about money and about business comes from our childhood and the subconscious. And if you never deal with that, you stay in the same salary bracket every year. So you got to shift your emotions behind it. And most people aren't even thinking about that. Like, oh, well, let me think the one example I had of money or somebody that was ambitious to make a lot of money in my life was my father, who was a very violent man. Like, how do you think I really subconsciously feel about making a lot of money? It's connected with violence. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff I think we don't realize that's holding us back from our potential in making money and having that beautiful life we want.
2: I totally agree with like my best ideas come when I'm meditating or if I'm getting a massage, I come up with all these things and then I'm the rest of the massage. I'm thinking I have to remember this and I have to remember that. (laughs) I wish that I had I need to like have a little recorder there while I'm doing it while I'm getting a massage because all of a sudden all these ideas come to me, so.
0: I'd like to speak into that um, if I can really briefly. So from what I know from the energy practices and and my spiritual practices and studies is that uh, the doing is the masculine energy. Yeah, This place is the masculine energy, the Maya, the physical world, the material is of a masculine energy we're doing. And the feminine energy is uh, the spirit of creation and intuition. And so to allow yourself to birth, an idea, you need to have both energies. So if we're constantly in our masculine energy of the doing and the doing and the doing, and we don't work on a spiritual practice where we connect with ourselves through like meditation, um, physical activity, breath work. That's why working out does it. It's, it's that breathing um, that creates the duality, the marriage of the feminine and the masculine to allow the birth of creation. Same thing with human reproduction. You need a man and a woman. Uh, I don't, you know, that's a topic today, but we need two. <laughs> you need two people, right? uh, uh you need to, certain I think, things. I think you still do. <laughs> yeah, oh you know, it'd be for a while, right? <laughs> so they have pods, and we're all Borg. Um, <laughs> so you need those two. And so when you can marry that balance of feminine and the masculine, and the doing and the the spiritual and the connection, then you. I, we, we can create into this world and, and get those, um those blessings from source from God, those are our higher selves. So that's God blessing us in the abundance and, and showing us through the gratitude that we have been giving those rewards that we can manifest and bring and in birth into this experience to serve, you know, ourselves and, and the world around us too. So that's something that came to me while I was skating. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was listening to this podcast called universe, the game. I just want to throw that out there. It's a really fantastic podcast talks about all kinds of different things. And so, yeah, I just wanted to share with you why that is and how that works and, um, how to use that and to find that balance between the two. And, and right now, like this whole year, I've been out of balance. So getting back into that balance of the both and it doesn't need to be either or. And I think a lot of people and myself included, it's one or the other, it's black or white. I, I got to do this before I, you know what I'm saying? Again, it's that be, do, have, which speaking of books, um, what is it? Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's, nice. that's a book that talks about uh, the be, do, have model as well.
1: Uh, and I'll also add on and agree with the gym being so important with ideas. It was on a road trip, back from the gym when I had the volition to start this podcast and after listening to a podcast while I was at the gym.
4: Yeah. I don't think we're meant to be sitting down for probably not even four hours. So forget about eight or ten hours a day. I mean, look at just it's breaking people down so much. It really is. But.
0: I was watching this guy on Instagram as Human Garage, I think is his Instagram and he does like fascia release and and all of that, and he he speaks into that. We're not supposed to sit. We're supposed to squat. We're supposed to squat. So, that that actually creates and fixes not everything. Hours a day. And I mean, could you imagine? But could you imagine like sitting on a Zoom like squatting guys, like, <laughs> but but that's what's most you know ergonomically correct. And I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, I can barely squat for a couple seconds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Then I got uh, next question for Donato. How can having a clear vision of a multifamily real estate investment strategy help investors make informed decisions?
3: Clear vision is the utmost importance when starting really any venture, whether it's multifamily or even your life or whether you're going on a road trip, right? You know, it's kind of like when you're on a ship and you're at the wheel. You can spin it left and right. It doesn't really matter which direction you spin the ship if you don't know your destination. You don't know where you're trying to get to. Just, I can make little tweaks, and I can end up going in circles. And I'm going really fast. I'm getting there. No. I'm sailing right in a circle because I don't have a destination. And so establishing a vision, a clear cut understanding of where you're trying to go, not just where you're trying to go, what that looks like, and then a deeper level of why that's important to me to get there, can help define the type of vision that will not only be economically successful and business and a business sense successful. But also end up be fulfilling for you by the time you arrive there, so you can enjoy that journey as you get to that destination. So without vision, you're just running in circles, and with it, you know you can run to the ends of the earth and have an amazing time while doing it.
4: Yeah, being that this is geared towards you know newer people getting into this industry, and this is more complicated. There's more things and people involved to make a deal. That I think that is a big struggle is the clear vision because you only learn so much and then like, okay, well, what are the practical steps? So you might like your vision might be wanting to have 2000 units. Is that enough of a vision? I don't know. But then it's like, if you don't really understand what the steps are to get there either. I think that trips up a lot of people, you know, what what the beginning steps are really practically.
3: Then uh, when it comes to multifamily as well, if some, you talk to new students or people who are getting into the game for the first time and ask them, why are you here? Why are you doing multifamily? If you want to make a lot of money, okay, well, you could go get like some white collar job and work in tech, make a lot of money and you do eight hours a day, there's no afternoon phone calls or meetings or stress of having to call contractors. So you can make money that way. Why not do that? I say, well, I don't wanna do that. I wanna do this. Okay, well, why? <laughs> well, I wanna make a lot of money and I wanna don't have a boss. Okay, so you want the independence. So you don't wanna be the boss, but you understand you have to work twice as much as you would without a boss. And say, okay, well, I don't wanna do that. Okay, well, why are you here? <laughs> and so I find that having asking the questions around what is it specifically about the avenue towards wealth that you're selecting so that satisfies you? What is it? If you can't define that, if you is it, it, could be the people, it could be the product, it could be the education, it could be a litany of things. It on needs why to be family
2: too, there has to be emotion yeah. behind it, so that when things get tough, you're not even going to think about quitting. If It's about your exactly. kids or your family or your mother. Mine was about my kids and my mother. You don't quit on that.
3: Yeah, as, uh, that definite, as the rock,
4: yeah. Perfect, right. Like we were saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you Very good. Yeah. It's like uh, the rock
3: says, you know, it's about drive, it's about passion. You know, <laughs> he has a whole song on it. We say hungry, we devour, right? You gotta have because at some point you're gonna have a massive boulder that just knocks you, knocks you down. Just hit your head on it, you fall down. And if you don't have that eternal fire, you know, that you can look at and say, This is why I'm actually doing this, you'll walk off the path, you'll never get back on it. You have yeah. to have that internal drive, that internal, really that why, right? Simon Sinek, start with why. It's the book, about whole three little words why. You need to understand why you're here and why specifically. So I'll ask people, almost annoyingly, when I meet new people, It's it can, uh, I'll say too much. So I'll say, why are you here? Or why are you in multifamily? And so I'm making money. It's like, okay, well, why, are you, why do you want to make money? So I can, you know, leave my job. Okay, why do you want to leave your job? And I always keep asking over and over again. I want to get to that core piece what is inside your heart that you're trying to achieve? What are you trying to get at? And if you, you know, I think it's, there's some type of psychological uh, study that was some long time ago. I, I learned about it at some point. I can't name it right now. But they spoke about how when you ask the, somebody why, like six, at least like five or six times.
2: I've read that too, yeah.
3: Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, somebody's why, why, why. Yep. After five or six times, you'll finally get to the real reason. So the
2: core. They're yep. doing
3: something. The core and that can manifest in so many ways. So I love asking people, why are you doing multifamily? So I can make money. Why do you want to make money? So I can be with my family. Why do you want to be with your family? Because I you know, I, I didn't get to be around my family when I was a kid. Okay? Why did you get to be around the family when they were kids? Uh, because you know, my parents were always working and never got time. Okay. And so you just get further and further and further down. They have this revelation of, oh, wow, I'm doing this thing because of how I felt when I was 10 years old and my parents weren't around and acknowledging that. You know, you've had this massive journey before now that's gotten you to where you are,
2: which is so it's, much it's, more, more emotional hard. than just saying money. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we made exactly. money, and I, I've said in my story, we've made money, and that's not emotional. I, I thought that it was going to be like, oh, this is it. And I made money, and I was like, okay, this is it.
0: Ooh, yeah. And then,
2: you know, then, you, then I bought my mama house. That, that was it. That's then it. I, right. you know, or doing whatever I can for my kids or helping other, you know, helping students or whatever. That's when I actually realized that that's what it was about. And I think we're all a little confused on that at the beginning because we're, you know, busy and focused and
4: distracted and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the common answer is freedom. And I will tell you from I, I learned this. I mean, it wasn't something I knew at first because I, you know, got in kind of hearing what everybody else hears about multifamily. So the big common answer is freedom. Now, are you going to have more freedom than you would if you were working a regular job? Like, like the workload is tremendous in this business. And I think we, we just don't talk about well, that. the
2: Freedom comes after success. You, like mm. we have, we have the freedom because we've been doing this 15 years. It didn't happen at the beginning for years and years and years. We worked our butts off way more than everyone else, way more. So it, you don't get freedom just all of a sudden, because you're in multifamily, you have to earn it.
4: Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's also we don't have freedom either if we run our bodies into the ground. Believe me, I've I've been in my house for like six Very weeks. Hey, that's not freedom. So yes, that's know, there's that, there's that aspect of yeah. if you don't have any balance in your life, you know, then you may accomplish those things. But you're And not you guys know my freedom. story. I
2: had I had no balance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had no balance for so long
0: yeah which yeah. circles back to what I was presencing earlier was where what I'm at the beginning stages too of, of recognizing acknowledging and because I admire you so much Lisa you have already impacted my journey with your story that what you have shared with me personally and and you know and Fia and I we we've come together and now we're building this relationship where we're kind of par- running parallel with each other in that regard and so if anybody out there listens and hears me now like make sure you find time to balance the things of self-care fitness eating healthy you know food is medicine spiritual practice whatever that looks like for you um because money isn't everything money is energy and money flows where energy goes so you know being in urgency versus desperation and um you know it's all going to work itself out but you're not going to get there if you kill yourself (laughs)
2: That's very true.
3: Yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You shouldn't uh shouldn't kill yourself. I know I did uh a hundred and ten hours last week, the turn of Brian Vester getting that thing launched and you no know, uh and that that's the journey I'm trying I'm starting on. Is maybe I shouldn't do this all the time. Uh which is hard because like you said earlier, money it's rewarded. You know? Yeah. Uh well, and, a lot and of things- I think
2: I think you're going to go through ebbs and flows. You'll go through times mm-hmm. where you're, you're burning, you know, both ends for a while, but you've got to make sure you take breaks. This is my biggest mistake was, I don't think working so hard. It was that I never took a break. And even when we went on vacation, it was always a working vacation. I never yep. let myself clock out. I never let myself have a, have, you know, decompress. Decomp- and that was like, I've, I've said this before, you know, I've made a bunch of money. I'd give it all up to have my health that I you know neglected when I was doing it all. So I want to see Mm -hmm. other people. You can still be successful with, you know, like if you look at Greg, Greg at five or six o'clock, he works really hard all day, but at five or six o'clock, he's in the hot tub with a cocktail. He was really good at that. And I would be, you know, hey, we've got this, we've got this, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And he'd say, tell me tomorrow. And if, and I was like angry about that, but I'm jealous of that. That's the way that it should be. And now I'm learning how to do that a little late, but that's what I would love to, you know, get across to people is that there's got to be balance. My next tattoo is just going to be balance. Like I need to remind myself I, I've never had it balance. Nice. Gonna, yeah. So what time is
3: it right now, Lisa? You said uh, what time is it for you right now? We're at okay. So you got twenty minutes till five o'clock. you know hot, yeah. hot tub and cocktail. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah. guess The,
2: the coaching
4: sponsor thing too. Like people, you know, we want to get to that level or we think when we're newer, we want to get to that level because of the vacations and whatnot. But like I've, I've been telling people since I've had an opportunity to observe a sponsor's lifestyle several, but, you know, especially having a friendship with Lisa that it's not really a sit on the beach thing. It's more for workaholics, to be honest with you. (laughs) But, you know, you're not lightening your load when you have over 3,000 or, you know, 2,000 units. You're not lightening your load. The load doesn't really go to someone else. You know, yeah, there's an asset manager, but I've never seen owners that aren't daily involved either. So you don't just dump it off and like poof, at least from not what I've been witnessing anyway. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah. so people have to learn how to do differently because I think up until this point, carrying a bigger load is just carrying more work. It's not delegating or having more people working for you or whatever. That's something people have to learn, I think.
1: Yeah. And adding on to having a little bit of balance, I've been able to work out in a week because I blew out my knee. No. from working out too hard godfather come on
4: what were you doing no complaining no. about a week uh, it was well, jujitsu jitsu. Uh, yeah it,
1: it, it would keep popping over and over again and now it just popped once and hasn't healed are you okay are you feeling okay my god uh, talk to walk. me i, I can walk now
0: yes yeah so you gotta, gotta, gotta get you loosened up add man.
3: stretching that's the balance Yana. i need yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, back in back in college, we had a Loda. adult. You ever heard of adult foosball? It's when they have like a soccer, like a two soccer nets, and they have like, um, they take your hands to these rods, and you're like the actual foosball oh players of awesome. <laughs> oh my size foosball. Oh, It's awesome. I was the goalie at one point, and I was going for a, my hands are, you know, to duct tape to a rod, so I can't move them. Ball is going to the top right. I pivot, and I dislocate my knee going to oh. block the ball pop it back in that doesn't uh, sound
2: awesome
3: that was not great but, no, but i tell people that i dislocated my knee playing foosball so they know i'm really really <laughs> intense <laughs> i go hard That's
2: competitive <laughs> man, foosball yeah you
3: gotta, yeah but watch your knees
1: man badminton. Watch your knees. Competitive
2: badminton. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay then i'll move on to the next question for lisa What mindset did you need to have in order to move your family across country with no money, no family, and no friends to pursue your dream of becoming a successful real estate investor?
2: Well, I mean, mindset, like we've been talking about, mindset's everything in this business, but in every business, or actually mindset is everything in life, right? Right. Without the right mindset, an abundance mindset, the challenges will seem impossible to overcome, and consequently, many times they'll be impossible. However, if you have a mindset of "we will do whatever it takes," we, we will never quit, no matter what. Then it's just a it becomes a matter of when will you reach your success, not if. So to tell my story real quick, and you know we were realtors in Arizona in the early two thousands, and did well until the market crashed in two thousand seven, and right around the same time, I heard an advertisement for David Lindall. long story short, because I know, you know, everybody knows my story, but we learned that North Carolina was a great emerging market. And after a long, long year of trying to find the right property to to buy with plenty of ups and downs, where anyone with the right, without the right, right mindset would have definitely quit. Um, and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but um, we just kept pushing forward. And You know, we pushed through the challenges and finally found a 23-unit apartment complex that we decided to buy, and we negotiated seller financing. However, the problem was the property was so small that it couldn't afford to pay property management. So we needed jobs because, you know, as realtors, we pretty much were out of jobs. We decided to move our family across country. We, You know, our boys were six and nine from Arizona to North Carolina and start a property management company. Um... I always say we were lucky because when the real estate market crashed, we had hit rock bottom. So let me repeat that. My mindset is we were lucky that we hit rock bottom. I mean, how many people say that? Um, the reason I feel we were lucky is because if we were comfortable in, say, like a $100,000 job or, you know, with a salary of 100000 we would never have taken the leap and probably would still be in that job today. And I admit that back in 2009 at the time, I had trouble seeing ourselves as lucky. (laughs) Um, It was definitely kind of a nightmare, but we had faith in ourselves and each other and God. And even though I was scared to death, I have so much gratitude for my former self for for believing and taking that leap. We had a bunch of debt and no money coming in, but we had a choice to make. We had gotten like a taste of that self-employment, you know, not not having anybody to answer to. And we found ourselves with the choice to either go get jobs and work for someone else, for someone else's dream, or take a risk and become property managers at, you know, at the new complex. And we had no idea how to be property managers. What were we thinking? I I don't, I can't even believe it (laughs) while we were thinking. We, We did, we literally, we were winging it. We made it up as we went along. But again, when you're not comfortable and you have nowhere else to go but up, the risk is really not as daunting as it seems. Mm. We knew we were capable people. I had worked in banking and he was in construction. Greg was in construction. And if we really got desperate, I was a waitress and he was a cook when we met, when we were 21. So, I mean, if I had to, I could go get a waitress Aww. job. We could go get a cook job. Cute. Uh, but, the, but the bottom line is we knew our kids would not starve. We knew we were not going to be homeless. We knew that we would figure it out. So we told our family and friends that we were just moving for one year. That made me feel better. That made them feel better. And that way, if things went horribly wrong, we could come back. But we ended up loving it and building a very successful business in North Carolina. And the boys, you know, ended up doing great in school and made a bunch of friends. And that became our home. And then we would just come out and visit. And then eventually, we moved our portfolio into South Carolina. And we were lucky that we also we were also lucky that we had each other, you know, since our mindset was we will do whatever we have to do to take care of our family. It really was a no brainer. And yeah, it was scary, but we worked hard. Greg did maintenance and I collected rents and I even knocked on doors for rent money and did my own evictions and learned way more about evictions than I ever wanted to. And we we even did our own taxes. I mean, we had 12 LFCs at one time and I was doing all my own taxes for like 10 years. Um, to do that.
3: Absolutely not. It was, it was, was horrible.
2: It, it took me, it was, it was a nightmare. This is why I, I have medical issues. It took me three years to unravel all that, to get the new yeah. CPA to come and take all of those off of my shoulders. And that just happened finally in like 2020, I think was the year that It was all taken off me, but one thing led to another and our hard work finally paid off. And we ended up building relationships that helped us grow our business. You know, namely Ryan and Tyler were a huge one to, you know, to thousands of units and ultimately financial freedom. And if it wasn't for our mindset, we would not be where we are today. Mindset truly, truly is everything. Everything that we went through comes down to mindset. We could have quit a million times. We had a million different excuses for it mindset truly is everything
4: courage like one word that just kind of stands out the whole time as courage it takes courage Well, for me, it does it's...
2: but but what else would we have done
0: are we we're we gonna yeah. go mm-hmm. yeah responsibility is what comes up for me like you were you were all responsibility um yeah. i talk about like the four levels of responsibility a lot i was just
1: about to ask you that final question
3: go ahead good segue look at us transitioning without (laughs) even getting prompted
0: but but no but for real and uh you know fia touched base on this earlier when she was talking about you know victim mindset and for me just like me, my story, I was in a victim mindset growing up because that's what was modeled for me. If I was a victim, then I was right and I was good and I wasn't bad and you couldn't tell me anything. And it was a very unhappy mindset because all my happiness and peace was outside of me. It was because I needed to get somebody to acknowledge it or apologize, right? So the four levels of responsibility is level one is it's that's where you transfer responsibility. That's a victim mindset. Nothing is nothing is your fault. Nothing you you are not responsible for anything. You want to push blame on someone else. There's no growth in this in this level at all, and um, you're very comfortable here because you don't have any responsibility. And it's also called unconscious incompetence or the victim mindset. And a lot of people are in this state. And they live in this state and you come across them all the time, uh, you know, out in daily life, but level two is acknowledging, uh, responsibility. Like you can see that you have some responsibility in your life and your circumstances. You see that, you know, you might not like your job. You, you see that you're there, but you know, you might not actually accept responsibility for shifting, right. But you, you kind of see that you have some power in your life right? And this is conscious incompetence. So you're, you're acknowledging, but you're still not taking any or being responsible. Level three is accepting responsibility. And this is where a lot of people who have done a lot of work will, will will be in. They will be responsible for the things that are occurring in their life, the things that they are creating in their life, the way they show up, their relationships, their jobs, their careers. This is where growth happens. This is powerful. This is where life is happening through me. This is when you acknowledge that you are having a direct impact in your results of your life. This is where Lisa was when she was like, look, we get to move across the country. This is going to be uncomfortable, but she was being conscious in her competence. And uh, four is mastering responsibility. And some of the yogis and the gurus and people who have done a lot of work will teeter between three and four and four is that life happens uh through me for me I am source and I am the creator of my experience everything is neutral and a lot of no growth actually happens in this space either because you become so neutral to everything that every experience that you experience you understand that you've created that you'll find the reasons And you surrender to that. It's universal consciousness. And this level of consciousness and this level of responsibility is ultimate because everything is through me, for me. So when I'm coaching people and they show up in victim of like being late and they want to blame traffic or they want to blame their phone being dead, or they want to blame the results on their partners or things like that. Well, what level of responsibility are you showing up in right now? Are you in one, two, three, four and ask, okay, well, what's in the gap of you shifting your responsibility. And there's a lot of traumas and there's a lot of things that we've gone through or where we get to grow into and pass the sea of, you know, the fear of responsibility. So how do we got to be, you. what level of responsibility do we need to shift into, to source those mega deals and to have those asset, you know, assets that are in our vision. Um powerful stuff thanks for asking the questions adam
1: Yep, inspiring i'll turn that <laughs> into a clip
4: oh my gosh <laughs> riveting I <like> tony Robbins. <laughs> tony robbins this was really a game changer for me i like how he puts it it's not like you take responsibility for your life it's taking radical responsibility for your life and my life didn't start to change until that was the case for me which you know i try to, I care about younger people because I didn't learn that until much later in my life. You know, I don't want my kids in their forties, then shifting out of victim mode or whatever. You know what I mean? I try to just share, share what I learn. You can't make people change either. It doesn't matter if they're 20 or 50 or whatever they're at where they're at in their journey. And you can support people in everything. You can't make people change, but it's just us taking radical responsibility for our lives.
0: Yeah, and then so my neuro-linguistic programming is coming up. You can't take something you already are. You got to take ownership. Got to take leadership. You got to take responsibility. You can't take what you already are because we are all 100% responsible for our results every day, our lives, our actions, our emotions, our behavior, how we react to the world. But it's, it's even in those phrases of taking that it's still in victim. And it's such a huge shift because just like you're saying, you know, I was in my late thirties before I got to shift from that and got to learn a powerful ways of of being and being responsible. So, um, words have power and they affect our, our mindset, our emotions, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about the mind and the emotions, and it all starts with, with words,
3: you know yeah. to uh, to paraphrase jfk ask not your life can do for you for <laughs> what you can do for your life thank you god bless america
4: that's pretty good
3: that's a pretty good right yeah
4: my I favorite think, you know if, yeah. if we're putting out to to other people it as far as teachers yeah. go and authors and things like that um If you have had a lot of childhood trauma, I think he's the best teacher out there to change. He, he really is. His stuff is very powerful. If you actually practice it, not just read it and kind of, who were you saying? Joe Dispenza.
0: Oh yeah. I loved him breaking the habit of being you and yeah. All uh, yeah.
4: Great. I love that book. book.
0: Yes. That there's a lot of
4: good
3: books and podcasts and speeches and people getting dropped in this right. one episode today. God, look at that value! ooh it's emanating <laughs> off of us! A lot of gratitude for all the knowledge we're bringing, right?
4: Mm. <laughs> gratitude. You got it.
0: I'm grateful for all the teachers that have come before us that have impacted uh, <laughs> our journeys. And hopefully, the people who are listening were not. Hopefully, I know that the people listening have found and received some value from what we've said today
4: Um, as new newer people in the industry too i can honestly say looking back that's when i had the funnest time so don't blow it
2: (laughs) don't Mm. blow
4: it like i don't know how donato feels but honestly i looked forward and not saying i don't now but we have more responsibility now like At the time, you know, we're all working towards a goal together. I loved meeting with the team. Like it was the best part of my week. It was super fun, you know, and then you get your first deal and it's it it changes everything. Not that you can't still have fun, but when everyone wants to blow past that initial, you know, stage and just get your deal, just know that it just that's the time you're going to have the funnest. So get to know your team, enjoy it. Build your processes, have a fun time. I mean, that was the funnest time. It really was.
0: Gotta enjoy the mm. journey. And don't you shy away from responsibility. Yeah. That that for me, mm. responsibility is freedom. Um, I used to have like this negative energy towards that word responsibility, right? That it was just a really heavy word. And I'm sitting here trying to think, is obligations a word that, you know, I was thinking of like the things that we're we're doing in in our roles on our team, but for me, responsibility can't, leads to freedom because it's also no longer Jocko, outside of you.
1: Jocko Wheeling has some great books on responsibility too.
0: He, Yeah, he uh, trains uh, similar in the same um, concepts from what I've been hearing. I haven't really studied him, but from yeah, the quotes there. and things I've heard, it's very similar, yeah. Okay,
1: I'm going to move on to trivia time now. Bring it on, Godfather. What you got? <laughs> Moving on to the commercial multifamily lion's den
2: Trivia. Time.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> this is the thriller. So I'm doing the lion. I know. I knew what you were doing.
1: <laughs> According to Bankrate.com, as of the recording Ooh. of this episode, April 1st, Ooh. 2023, based on assets held at the time of insolvency, which means bankruptcy. What is the largest U.S. bank failure to date?
3: Oh. Is it Lehman,
2: <laughs>
0: wait, let's uh, for Lehman. Lehman doesn't Lehman.
2: count on that.
0: That Silicon it, okay. Valley one Outside just happened. This SVB was, was
3: number two, Frontier, I think, was number three. Uh, well, Frontier didn't actually happen, I think Frontier got bailed oh. out. And Lehman, you're saying Lehman doesn't count? Oh, it must have been in 19, it must have been early 30s, the Great Depression. Now, the Lehman guarantee. was the
1: highest some... one, but I'm not, it's not counting in. Oh,
3: okay. Okay, it's gonna, I, I bet it's gonna be some 1930s Great Depression era bank failure, like an old bank. That's what I, I can't, I'm not gonna have a name for it. I'm gonna bet that's the era we're looking at here. Maybe like, uh, I don't know.
0: I'll just take an old,
3: like a, uh, I'll say like a regal old sounding name, like Whitestone Banking and Bros. Something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I like that
4: America. I think Mutual.
3: Boom, there you go. something, I bet you need something old like that.
0: He said old, oh my God. I remember okay. that, what are you
3: talking about? <laughs> no, 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 old like white, like, old like 1930s, sorry. 19, 1930s, like. Oh my
0: God. Uh... <laughs> like my son says, mom, you know, like way back in the olden days, you know, back in the 19s. I was... <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so the answer was Washington Mutual. Oh my God, oh, somebody
4: got it oh, right on oh, accident. Which That's was awesome. in 2008
1: also. Lehman Brothers oh, okay. didn't count for a lot of charts for, for some reason, but if you are counting yeah. Lehman Brothers, then it was above Washington. Okay,
3: Center.
2: right on. Nicely That's done, bunny. Yeah.
3: Nicely done. Did you look it up?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was gonna say I saw her look it up.
4: I was like, "Oh, oh I was saying, Well, I'm I on my phone it. with the power up, <laughs> so I couldn't do that. I, I couldn't do it.
3: I'm moving. I'm here pulling organic information. I'm taking responsibility.
4: I know. My yeah, I saw. No, you yeah. were fantastic. And I was like, all right, I got to look this up real quick. I wasn't yeah. going to
0: look it up. I think so I knew that.
1: They had $307 billion in assets held at the time of insolvency. And then it was oh.
2: sold to JP Morgan. Jeez. Did anybody actually get their money back?
3: I wonder how yeah. much of their funds deposited were over the FDIC's insurance that's,
2: limit. That's I mean, that's
3: what scares me right now. It's, yeah. Well, SVB, right? was well, like ninety. I want to ninety-four percent, or maybe it's a little bit lower than 209 that. Two hundred nine billion.
0: Two hundred nine billion
3: yeah. investors who are looking to make up ground since two thousand eight, looking to, you know, as tech continues to bolster itself, the entire tech industry. You have low interest rate companies that can just bank on high growth ultra fast and high growth over the last decade, shooting valuations from tens of billions to hundreds of billions of dollars that didn't have to show a profit for five years. They could just take on more debt and push their, you know, oh, our IPO will help us out. And oh, we'll we'll get profitable if, like, year, year 10, year 11. And all of a sudden, interest rates climb up. And all of a sudden, oh, no, my uh, my dog washing stations on wheels that only takes three types of cryptocurrency business isn't doing great anymore because I don't have zero percentage loans. And I have $2 billion of debt, you know, when money's easy, money's cheap and money's free, everything gets, everything can you try everything. But now we have, you know, it's not the case anymore. So if you want to get some loans, you want to take the asset down, you really have a solid business plan. And those people who banked on easy money you know, are, are feeling the pain of that.
1: Yeah. And even bonds aren't always that safe because one of the main reasons SVB failed was because of the bonds. Ultra safe, value.
3: long, ultra safe government bonds. Yeah. Just, hey, you got to watch out for Anything that's interest rate susceptible, got to watch out. And
1: then I'll move on to the second question. And for that one, I'll I'll give it to Donato because he didn't cheat. I
4: wonder how much of this (laughs) you're going to edit out of. (laughs) Right, because it's like an hour and a half long episode.
1: (laughs) It's it's definitely a long one. According to commercialedge.com, as of March 21st, 2023, the office real estate space is suffering many challenges, including a lack of demand due to the pandemic resulting in remote and hybrid work becoming much more common. What is the national vacancy rate for office space?
3: Oh, I would say 25%. Uh, I was just going to say 25%.
2: 25,
3: 25% vacancy rate. I'll say 27. 30. 27
0: I was high. I said eighty, and I think I was doing it in the opposite. So I think. Oh, I might- occupancy. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Benny might be yeah, right. It might so be closer. Far.
3: It might be closer to twenty. Sixteen point
1: five percent. Yeah. Okay, it's not as
3: bad as I thought.
0: That's pretty close.
2: Benny probably. That's not right?
3: terrible.
2: Would you say, well, Pierre?
3: Yeah.
4: Thirty-five. Oh, you were high. Oh no, yeah. no. I always not- go high. <laughs>
3: but it is interesting, you know. You have so many people who are. You know, oh my gosh, the world's coming crashing down. Industrial and commercial spaces are just being absolutely gutted, and the vacancy rates fifteen percent. They're eighty five percent occupied. Like, oh, if your buildings are in that much dire straits at just a fifteen percent vacancy rate, why are you operating it the way? Why did you buy it then? Why why are your margins that uh that close? Um, makes you wonder what their, what their operating finances look like. Yeah,
1: it's worse than any of the other real estate sectors, but it's definitely not that bad. You guys all predicted a lot more. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, to be fair, it was only 4% off. So <laughs> I, think, I think you had the closest. And yeah. I wonder
2: if maybe like if I had a commercial building that had office space that I couldn't rent, I would probably find a different use for it. Right. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like the use is maybe changing and that that skews numbers as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just leave it vacant because I can't find, you know, someone who needs
4: office space.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Creative. Get creative with that. What can you put in that space?
4: Some offices in L or some of the lofts in LA offices many, many years ago, like in the thirties, basically, and they've all been uh, converted into lofts, which are $3,000, 3500 a month for a no bedroom. I know my friend lives in one right in the middle of downtown LA. One bedroom is like five grand. But yeah, as you could tell, you know, there's like a crack under like a gap under the door, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I used to have one of those
4: like styrofoam.
0: It was like a styrofoam thing. It was styrofoam and styrofoam (laughs) like a sheet. It is the door for the like the draft when I lived in San Diego for that, too, because it was yeah, you have like, sorry, TMI.
3: (laughs) The
4: five grand <laughs> I for a one outro, bedroom apartment. Like...
1: Oh, that hurts my soul. Question number three.
3: Oh, you
0: Four... have a lot
4: of editing to do. I thought we were done.
1: <laughs> this is the last question. According to a survey conducted by apartments.com in 2020, what percentage of renters say they own a pet? 30%.
4: 50. The single
3: family, the single family and
4: multifamily. Yeah. Apartment. Any Department.
1: renters. Anyone who's
4: renting.
3: Ooh.
4: I'm gonna stick with 50.
3: Ah, oh, 50 sounds like a good number. I'm gonna I'm there... gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick it at about 55.
4: <laughs>
2: I said I, I went low because you said say. They have
0: one. A lot of
3: yeah. people say they uh, have one. The but they have one. one oh, good catch! <laughs> I'm dropping mine to 45. I yeah. dropped. I'm, I'm dropping to 45 a little bit too much. No
0: changebacks. No.
3: Not fine. 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 I'll stick at 55. Stick yeah, that's a the point.
2: Commit. I'm, pro- I'm probably. Day. I'm always okay. way off.
1: So I'm sure I'm not really I'll, right. I'll I'll stay 55. The answer is 75 percent.
2: Holy! I'm I had a off.
4: feeling. It is wow. such a big deal now. Look at like all the there's emotional support and just thought like pets mm. are a really much yeah. bigger deal. You know, can it's- you
2: can you edit my answer out because now I feel really stupid.
4: <laughs> and, and that 75%. was five percent. Yes, yeah, so, and that's
1: a significant spike from only forty three percent a year prior.
4: Right. Yeah yeah well there were was, people were stuck in their house so it was like you know depression. And they couldn't
0: be around
2: people so they had to get
4: animals
0: i'm sitting here thinking about all the deals i'm underwriting and i'm looking at all these you know pnls and i'm looking at how many people at the rent rolls and how many people are actually paying pet rent it is not usually over 40 that's kind of
2: that's kind of what i was thinking is you don't and, really see it all that much but that's because yeah. a lot of the sellers and one of the reasons we're buying the property is the the bad management and bad management overlooks those sort of things because you have to go and audit people. People lie mm. they or oh, yeah. they'll get a pet and they don't come in and say, Hey, I got a pet. Cause I want, and I want to pay $400. I don't want to pay pay more. They uh-huh. don't do that. I didn't do it when no. I was a renter okay. either. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Honesty,
3: thank you, responsibility.
2: So people don't admit to
0: it. And that's why you don't really see,
2: mm-hmm. see it very often.
0: And service animals don't count as pets in all in all realness right. and legalities they don't they don't pay pet rents for service animals that's a totally right. different verbiage
4: no right. pet rent no
0: pet deposit or, or that's why a lot of animals. people that's why a lot of people will you know get phony papers or claim it they are yeah. and, and there's you know it re- it's really unfortunate for the real people who actually need them because mm-hmm. yeah, then it makes a lot of landlords is. just say no pets no animals yep
1: Thank you for listening to the Commercial Multifamily Lion's Den Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to leave us a like, subscribe, and share with anyone you think can gain value from today's episode. What obstacles are you facing? Let us know in the comment section below and we'll get to it in a future episode. If you're interested in passively investing with us, you can go to am-multifamily.com or you can email Fia at am-multifamily.com. Those links will be in the show description, along with the Lion's Den Facebook page and website. Thank you, and have a roaring day!